Hello everyone, welcome back to The Soul Fill. This is episode five. This week's guest is someone I'm so excited to bring on. Not only is she a New York Times bestselling author, she is one of my dearest friends who is also celebrating a birthday this week. So happy birthday to the one and only Bookie. Bookie Vivat is the New York Times bestselling author and illustrator of the middle grade series Frazzled and the forthcoming Meet Me on Mercer Street on sale April next year. She grew up in Southern California telling stories and doodling all the time and before becoming an author she taught middle school English abroad and worked in children's publishing in New York City. Now Bookie lives in Oakland and makes books for kids. You guys I'm excited to share this conversation with you. It was my first in-person one that we filmed and it was just really great to have it with one of my really great friends. Um, Also it's a little bit different style. Um, Bookie kind of shares more about her life and her journey and just some of the lessons that she has learned along the way and There are lots of good nuggets that you can take away from it too. And if you've ever wondered what it's like to be an author for real, this episode is for you. So without further ado, we'll jump right in. Welcome to The Soul Fill, a podcast where we celebrate life's accomplishments and challenges, but most importantly, the life that we live in between. Join me, your host, Carla, for weekly conversations with some incredible women as we explore life's unique journeys and share tips on how to fill your soul. Hi, Bookie. Welcome to the Soul Fill. This is in person, my very first one. So <laughs> how's it going? It's good. I'm excited to try this cocktail you've made. Uh- this is, I decided to be like special because this is our in-person. And so I made a little concoction, tequila concoction that I thought would sound good in my head, but we'll find out together. So it's, um, it's sparkling water, tequila, and then like a mango flavor. And there was ice, <laughs> and but let ice. it be known that it's so hot that the ice is all melted. Exactly. So now it's just a watery, <laughs> a glass of water, all right, tequila well, water. Let's find yes. Like. Cheers. did i stir it oh i think i I did i think i had this oh i didn't stir it what does that mean i don't also i also don't know how to use a shaker you guys (laughs) whatever okay you know what it's okay what do you think you know it is a drink (laughs) (laughs) it is drinkable it's drinkable we'll take it we'll take it Bookie, I've known you since college. We're really good friends, and so I'm really honored to have someone I'm very comfortable with um, be on this show and um, on this episode. But you took a very (laughs) non-traditional path in your career. So why don't we just start from the beginning? (laughs) How you got to becoming a New York Times bestselling author. Yeah, it was – it feels so long ago. It's really wild to think about because I – I think that uh, growing up, I've always been like creative, I would say. Like I've, I, I really loved like writing and I liked doodling and drawing um, and I loved books, but I never really thought about those things in terms of a career. I think that especially when it came to writing and drawing, I just kind of felt like I was good, but not great. 
I was like fine, but I remember thinking in like go in like middle school and stuff, just starting to realize like, uh, maybe this isn't for me because the styles that like I was asked to draw or the stuff I was tr trying to write, it just felt like I was always competent, but never like I couldn't, I didn't have my own voice or I, I mean, me, I did have my own voice, but it wasn't the voice that other people wanted me to have or mm -hmm. expected me to have or was seen as like good. So I was kind of like, you know what? That's fine. It's okay. Cause I love books and um, maybe I'll just be part of this world. I also really didn't think of authors as like, real people. I didn't really think mm -hmm. of that as like a tangible career, the way that people think of like doctors or lawyers or teachers. I had no idea. So I just thought, you know what? I really love books. Uh, let me just be in this world. Let me be surrounded by this. Let me be part of making books happen. And so that was kind of like my trajectory after college of figuring out how to work in publishing and just be in the book industry, the book publishing industry, and specifically in children's books. So I, um, after college, it, the, it, like the traditional route is to move to New York and find a job in publishing because publishing is mostly in New York. So I didn't have enough money to just move to New York. So I decided to go to Korea for two years and save a little bit of money, um, have a little bit of like life experience outside of living at home and or being in college. And then uh, after that, I moved to New York and kind of was on this pretty somewhat straightforward trajectory of getting into publishing and working in the industry. Um, but then when I started working in the industry, like, I guess I should backtrack because in this time of me finishing college and then going to Korea and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I was still, even though writing and illustrating wasn't at all on my radar, for the future, I was still doing it just for fun. Mm -hmm. And I think I always said that in college, I was like, I'm just gonna have a writing major just for fun. I'm gonna, you know, just doodle just for fun. And so I ended up kind of starting to keep these planners that um, at first they were just like to-do lists and then maybe like a little doodle of something I was doing or some way that I was feeling. But over time I started to like draw on more and more and the doodles kind of took over. And then it became more of like a, sort of like illustrated journal of my mm -hmm. life. And so the entire time that I was like kind of moving towards working in publishing, I was uh, doing these, not even thinking that they would be anything just per for my own personal reasons. Um, and then this is kind of where it all comes together because when I was working in publishing, someone that I worked with saw my planners and they started telling other people about them. They started like passing them around the company and kind of, completely shifted the trajectory of where I ever would have imagined my life to go because from there it's like they kind of the planners got into the hands of an editor at HarperCollins which is where I was working and as she was flipping through she kind of saw this this um image that I had drawn that was like so dramatic it was so dramatic <laughs> but I, like I, I cringe when I think about it it was like me being really dramatic about my life and uh how I was reacting to things and I think I said something like I live my life in a constant state of impending doom. So, you know, just like, you know, your average thoughts. Um, but I paired with that wording, I had drawn like an image of my what I view to be myself, um, you know, kind of being crushed by the world. And the editor looked at this drawing and she said, like, that's our, uh, there's a story there. Like, that's our girl. There's mm -hmm. a story. And it was the first time that I thought, oh, like, do I have, a story to tell and like maybe someone is seeing something in the work that I'm creating that 
goes beyond what even I saw for it myself. And so they're kind of snowballed into writing my first book series and deciding, I guess this is going to be, this is my new sort of trajectory. This is my new life. Like this is the direction that I'm going to continue to move in um, despite it not being the plan, despite it not really being, not really having a clear um, end goal or trajectory, just moving towards this like nebulous direction of being the creative life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where I'm at now. That's <laughs> awesome. the creative life. Did you ever like, cause from what you're saying, it doesn't sound like, you know, you know, you, you worked in publishing, but it wasn't like this, oh, I'm going to like do a children's book. Like this all kind of <clears throat> happened mm -hmm. to you and you following that lead. What, like, at, like if you can go back to like that first time, that moment that that doodle was seen um, at HarperCollins and like you being told there's a story there. What was, go if you can remember, like what was going on there? Were you, did you know, like, oh my God, I think my life's about to change or like, no. Absolutely not. I, I remember my first thought was like, these people are nuts. Like <laughs> why? Like I've given them no indication that I have the ability to write a book or draw like seriously. Cause it was just doodles. I, it started when I first started these doodles, they were stick figures. And then I had seen my style evolve, but I still, I wouldn't say they were, it felt rough to me in my mind. And I, I mean, I do think I have a like a high standard for art because I love art and I love children's books. Mm -hmm. So I think there is this like impossible standard that I'm always like, hmm, I'm never gonna reach that. But at the time I really thought like, I don't know what these people are thinking, <laughs> but let me just go with it. Um, and actually the first thing that they, when they said like, we want you to write and illustrate a book, I immediately was like, no. I, th mm -hmm. I think I said, uh, consider illustrating it. Cause that's kind of what had caught their attention. But I was like, I don't think I can write a book I, I don't know what it would be and so the concept that they were had like sort of thought or were excited about was like this idea of this like kind of frazzled at the time they didn't have that word but that this like kind of neurotic kind of stressed out girl starting middle school and I kind of had an idea of what who that person was because like that person was me and is me <laughs> but then I I thought like there's no way I can write the story. It's too close to me. It's I don't have anything to say. I don't know even what the story would be. So for a while, for the beginning part, we actually considered like, what if we pair me up as an illustrator with an author? Mm -hmm. And the more I kind of was ruminating on like who could do it or who I felt like was would be an interesting match, I started to like think about the character that I had drawn of essentially a fictionalized version of me and. Abby Wu. Yeah, Abby Wu. Like at the name. time, didn't have a name. At the time, was just like basically young bookie or doodle bookie. <laughs> and I thought the idea of having someone else write that story or having someone else tell that story, a story that was centered around someone, a character that I associated with me, just felt so strange. Mm -hmm. So then there was a pause where I was like, well, let me just try this. So then I wrote up kind of an idea of what I thought would be fun to have as a story and where I would kind of take it. And I wrote out like a little, I think a few pages of the voice. And I showed to my editor, I was like, well, what do you think? And she was like, yeah, this is what I wanted the whole time. Like, mm -hmm. this is what we wanted from you the whole time is mm -hmm. for you to do both because it felt aligned. Yeah. And it was me that was the one who was like, I don't think I can do this. Yeah. I don't think that that's in the cards for me. And it's so it's interesting now to look back at what could have been 
you know, if I, if what, like I, I could have been, had a completely different thing. I could have just illustrated a book for someone else yeah. and then continue to work in publishing. So yeah, I, I think about that all the time about like what kind of was the tipping point in me deciding to just kind of jump off the deep end and just go for it, even despite having so many sort of doubts and um, like hesitations. Yeah. I, I really love that part of your story because one, sometimes you just need people to see something in you that you can't see one, maybe because of like your own insecurities. I mean, this happens to all of us, you know, and they always say like the best things are always on the other side of fear. Mm. And I think for you to make that leap is what changed your life and made you realize your own potential. How, like at the time when you finally agreed to like write up the few pages, mm. how in, like how did you still feel it like your insecurities and like how did you work through that? Because now you you've gone on to write not just one successful book, like you wrote a series and there's three of Abby Woo stories out there, mm. and so what? At what point, like, how did you get through those insecurities where you were telling yourself no, but everybody else, like, we're like, no, this is a story and it's great. What you're writing and what you're putting out is what we want and we know will do well. I think, honestly, I don't think it was something that was in me. I think it was me responding to the, like, outside world and just kind of going for it. And I think, like, if I had sat, if I had time to sit for a long time and really think about what... I felt like I was capable of or where, what, like when, whether I was ready or not to pitch a book, to write a book, I think I would still be stalled at that place now. Like, mm -hmm. honestly, I think that it was like me almost being forced to be like, here's an opportunity. Are you going to take it? Like, what are you going to do? Mm -hmm. And being like, I can't, like, I can't, I actually like, can't pass that up because what are the odds? Like, what are the chances? I can't yeah. pass that up. And so I think that it's really interesting because I think, especially when I talk to people who are trying to get to write a book or trying to like query agents to get representation, I, I'm honestly really in awe of people who kind of are in at that phase because it's a tough phase to go through. And I am not like, I'm not like naive to the fact that my trajectory was very unique. And honestly, I bypassed a lot of the places where I think with my insecurities, with my hesitations, I probably would have stopped myself. I probably would have been like, you know what, that that drawing is not that good, or this portfolio is not great, like not polished enough. And now, when I look back at some of the things that I showed, like when I look back at the planners that they showed around to that my like to my company, when I look at that the planners, even sometimes when I look at my like older books, I'm like, wow, like, mm -hmm. this is a little bit painful, a little bit painful because I just see it like it as like being flawed or not polished and then it I really have to like force myself to like shift my perspective and see it as like it wasn't that it wasn't ready at the time I've just grown mm -hmm. like I've grown from that point and now, I, now I'm able to see like the trajectory of my growth yeah. which is why like having these planners has actually been really helpful because I have them now and I think of them my style is like being pretty cemented but then when I look back even from those like three years ago, four years ago, five years ago, I can see how my style has evolved. I can see the ways that I've, like, the skills that I've gained mm -hmm. because without even intending to gain those skills, but just, like, through practice and just through doing, doing it, it yeah. and just, like, learning without pressure. And so I think that, yeah, it's nice to see that I didn't have, like, even though I made some really cringy art, 
that art weirdly got me to this place mm-hmm. and I just have to be like okay with that and so yeah not being not like stopping myself from kind of doing those things I don't know I think if I yeah if I gave myself too much time I would just stop myself so I think it was just being almost being like forced into a situation mm-hmm. just by sheer opportunity or yeah. like Sometimes we need Gumption. that though. Yeah. Like you just need to oh, be totally. like, oh God, I got to do it. Okay. Because yeah. you're right. Like we, I tend to think a lot hmm. and then may never take action just by thinking about it. And so I love when the universe knows what's best for you too. Yeah. In that moment, they're like, we're not even going to give Boogie an opportunity. You have no other chances to say, to no. say yeah. no. Like it's happening and you're yeah. going to ride that wave. Yeah. Like I, it's just very cool to see that your journey because I, I've known you for God, like so long, so long, double so digit many, years, many, many years, and even just seeing your growth in, in not just through your art. And by the way, like we'll share your Instagram. People need to see your your planners <laughs> because it's like visual art. And I always wait for your monthly recaps to see how you do everything. But um, what was it like for you? Essentially, this character, the main character in Frazzled is abby Wu, and you saying you know she you were basically she was you she is me so so what was that like for you to almost like be able to like create these storylines based on like you and your experiences growing up did you was that too was that vulnerable for you like what what emotionally mentally were you going through what were you processing as you were writing these stories for abby yeah, it was, it's weird because I feel so close to that character and I feel so close to, even though the things that happened to her are not directly things that happened to me, like it's not exact one-to-one, this is my friend in middle school, this is me, but I think a lot of the feelings are very, like, very similar to feelings that I was feeling when I was in middle school. A lot of the situations are inspired by things that happened in middle school, like in the first book, she, um, the eighth graders are allowed to have pizza and none of the sixth or seventh graders are, which is like a real thing that happened at my school. And I remember being like, this is so unfair. And I, I would like, I remember not liking my lunch. I would do lunch swaps with friends. And so a lot of like, there's like bits and pieces of my childhood that are kind of infused into this book or that like inspired this book. And I, I feel like so much of it was just mining my past for like, what did I feel at the time? Mm-hmm what do I some and and also some of those feelings are like universal feelings like feeling frazzled is like a feeling that I still feel now so it's interesting because the feedback that I've gotten is like oh you really captured this like middle school voice and in my mind I'm like thank you but also like this is my voice now like these are my fears now I'm just putting them in a middle school context yeah and um so then it forced me to like kind of go back and like see what do I care like what what were what was the point when I started to feel that like what was a shift when I started to feel more frazzled? And for me, it was in middle school. Um, but it is strange to kind of be so close to a character. Um, writing it didn't feel as strange. I think that because there's like a facade of like, she's a fictional character. She's Abby mm-hmm. Wu. She's a different family. She has a different life than I do. I think there's a little bit of distance that kind of protects me. Mm-hmm. So, I, and, mm-hmm. and so I can kind of like put in things that I know are real, like references to people I had like had like close friendships with or I had enemies Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know like I can I can flip those things in but they're not it doesn't it's not doesn't feel too close Mm -hmm. when I'm writing yeah I think the weirder part is actually receiving feedback about those things um which I 
never read reviews but every so often like it gets like put on your radar mm -hmm. like I, I usually only read like the like the really professional reviews that are like by the trade publications but i never read like goodreads or anything but i didn't make a mistake once and i remember they made a, someone made a comment that was like this character is so annoying <laughs> why she's so stressed Aww. and in my mind i was like I am so stressed, mm -hmm. you know? So there was like, there's like a weird level of, even though as when I was writing it, I felt distance when I'm receiving it, like that feedback, I feel like it, it does feel a little bit personal. And um, so it's, it's odd feeling to kind of be towing that line yeah. because there is still like, like every, I feel like for me, all my books feel very personal. All my characters have a little bit of me in them. And so that that is like a little bit confusing yeah uh, you know i like that you bring up that point because you're an author you're creative you're also an artist right but for anyone who is in like a creative space it is a very vulnerable thing because when you're creating out of you mm -hmm. these like, you know if you do art or if you're a musician like these what you put out is it came from you is an element of who you are and so when that's being critiqued yes um i can imagine that's a really difficult place to to know that it's they're judging the art and not you yeah how do you um kind of make sure you're in a good headspace when those like you know reviews and criticism comes Ooh. i i think that is really hard and i think it helps like i think some people can handle, and you just have to know how you handle it personally. Because I have friends who do read reviews and who do read Goodreads, and they they know how to like process it. And for me, it's just not helpful because mm -hmm. it's like I can have a million great reviews, and then one person says I'm annoying, and I'm like, crap, I'm annoying. Like, let's <laughs> just give all this up. Yeah. I'm annoying. You know, like it it just gets to a weird place, and also it detracts from what you're doing. Mm -hmm. I think the hard part about being a create like because there's like a difference between being creative or doing creative things or making creative stuff and then being a professional creative. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're just creating, like anybody is, everybody is creative. Everyone has their own ways of expressing creativity, whether it's just like drawing a picture or like, you know, uh, like people do woodworking, people like, like to um, like cook and then cooking can be a really creative process. Like I think that there's a lot of ways to be creative, but then there's a, there's a shift that happens when you're, a professional creative or when you're creating in a way that needs to be monetized or that you're mm -hmm. like this is part of your career and i think that part is harder because while as a creative we can acknowledge that like part of the process like the important part of creating is the process you know it's like it it's not necessarily the outcome or like the product is important but the process is all equally important mm -hmm. and unfortunately when you shift to being a creative professionally and you it's part of like your job it you can't not look at or not think about or consider that side of things because whether someone thinks this is good determines whether they buy it whether mm -hmm. they think it's good determines whether it like it like they buy it and then it allows you to like survive and make money and create more art so yeah. it's kind of like this it's really tough and I I honestly don't know what my what my like way of coping is I think for me it's just sort of having like a like secure knowledge of like 
I'm tr- I did my best with this thing. Like this yeah. book, you know, when I look back, sometimes I cringe and I'm like, oh, wow, I really can't believe I allowed this to be published mm-hmm. or I like I can't believe I put this in. I can't believe I did this. But then acknowledging that, you know what, like it doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah, it's like a finished book, but it was something that I did and I tried my best at that time. Mm-hmm. And I just have to kind of move forward and just make new things because like dwelling on the like what you created and then looking back at what is wrong with it and overly critiquing it to the point where it's not productive like that mm-hmm. for me is like that like I feel like that would stall me and that mm-hmm. has stalled me in the past where I have thought like wh- what if I mess up if I mess up what is like if people don't like it what's going to happen and mm-hmm. I think that part of being creative that I'm trying to like lean more into is just like I think a bit of like delusional ego like I Mm -hmm. think you have to be a little bit delusional you have to have a little bit of an ego in order to be creative and in order to be creative in a way that you share with other people Mm -hmm. because there's like creativity for yourself and then there's creativity where you're showing other people where you're making stuff for other people Mm -hmm. you have to be a little bit delusional to believe that people care at all (laughs) you know like you have to be like someone needs this or someone cares about this or this is a story worth telling you have to have an ego where it's like I'm the one who wants to tell the story and I think finding a balance between having that delusional ego but then also being like I am a person who uh is trying to grow and who acknowledges that I like growth is never done I think that balance is really important because too much ego is bad but not any ego will stop you from making anything at all Yeah. yeah so it's like it's almost what like is that balance? keep faking it until you make it. Like keep yeah. convincing yourself that it is going to be. When honestly, it ultimately probably is yeah. good. I'm like you, and I think part of it is like just being Asian. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Not thinking that it's ever good enough, yeah. and so it makes us way more critical of our own mm. work. Um, but I think you're right. At some point, you just need to tap in and be like, someone's going to listen to this, and it's going to be amazing, right? And yeah. then like you find the motivation to keep going. You have to have that part of you, and I think <laughs> I like I think. For me, like, especially being Asian, like, you're like, oh, well, like, I'm not going to do it. I don't know. Like, but I think that you have to, like, if you don't force yourself to do it, you won't. Yeah. Like, and I think that rather than, like, focusing on, like, what people are going to think or whatever, just being like, do, like, am I excited to do this? Do I want to do this? And, like, kind of pushing in the, the right direction blindly. Yeah. Like, and being like, you know what? This is something I'm excited about. This is something I want to create. This is something I want to do. Yeah. And just being okay with the outcome or the response that you get, knowing that you tried your best, knowing that you mm-hmm. took into consideration, like, all the ways you could improve. You know, like, I don't feel like I go – like, I leave anything being like, this was amazing. Like, even mm-hmm. with the book that I just finished, re- like, this past year, I feel really proud of it. I feel like really – like, I worked really hard on it. Mm-hmm. I'm, like, not – naive to the fact that it could have like it could be it could not land you know like there's a potential that it doesn't land with people Mm -hmm. or that people some people don't get it and I think I just have to be like you know what like I am really like I feel good about what I did here I feel good about the effort I put in I feel good about the time that it took and the care that I took or tried to take in telling the story so that's like what else can what else can I do there isn't yeah. yeah and I think we just need to remember that I think like you know your book or whatever whatever it is that you're dealing with what in life when you rise up to an occasion knowing like okay I literally did the best with the best possible information and resources that I had at mm-hmm. the time and then you move on and like looking back 
I think can hinder. And I think so many people do like, oh, well, I could have, let's say your book goes out and like, oh, I could have done this differently. There's no way of knowing what you could have done differently at the time, as long as you were giving it everything that you could have in that moment. And so I think that's just a good lesson to take either from like your writing experience, but just in life in general, because the more we nitpick like, oh, well, I could have done this, this and this and this better or different, like you did what you could Hmm. and like it is what it is. And now your life is here. So. I, I think that's so much about because I was also thinking about like middle school because so much of my books are like they're around my feelings and what I was doing in middle school my characters are all in middle school and I've thought about like this like oh man like if only I knew what I know now like mm-hmm. if only I had the confidence that I have now if only I like had the self-awareness or the like 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 if only I had the information that I have now mm-hmm. I would be killing it. I'd be crushing it in middle school. I'd do so good. You know, like uh, things would be so much better. I would have handled this situation better. I would have handled like the pressure better. But that's like an impossible way to think because there's like, and also the person that you were back then and the mistakes you made back then or the things you learned back then created the person that Mm -hmm. you are now. So I think that, I mean, it's the same with like life. It's same with art like who you were when you created that thing was different than who you are now. And so you can't expect to create the same or you can't expect your past self to create what you can, like what you're capable of now. Yeah. And that's, but that's hard. It's a hard pill to stomach because especially when you create something that lives on Mm -hmm. in it's like sort of crystallized state, like what you made is what you made and it's done. And you have to look at it despite being like years from it. So I'm, it'd be in, it's interesting to think about like actors who like see who live with like all of their like past works mm-hmm. and physically seeing who they were back then <laughs> and like knowing the work that they did back then. But I mean, I think that's like creative life, right? Like yeah. you have to, like there is you have to acknowledge that people like as a creative you do grow and you should be growing. Mm-hmm. Um, and just accepting the, your past work is your past work and just being grateful for what it gave you and for the work that I think the effort that you put into it and acknowledging that the effort that you put into it was also like valid, even if it's not necessarily up to your current standards. Right. You know? Nothing I think will ever meet our current no, standards. No. And so our current standards don't meet just, our current standards. Yeah, yeah. Just giving yourself the grace that yes. like in the, at that time and in that, yeah. that moment, you did what you could mm-hmm. and letting that be okay. Um I want to switch gears a little bit because you you took a very unconventional career path, as most people on this podcast do. <laughs> um, can you say more about like how that? Because I think people can look at like, oh, you're an author and like you get to tour, go to different places, and like have your book published, and you're on like a New York Times bestselling list. I think, and a lot of these things, like when you're creating, when you're whatever, what when you're whether you're an artist musician actor whatever people see this glamorous journey um what has been challenging for you in navigating this Mm -hmm. i mean like because you know like it's kind of like not that you intentionally set like i'm going to be this author like we said but like after college you kind of went and you did korea you moved to new york you didn't you weren't even like an author you just wanted to be in the publishing space and then that kind of unraveled so whether planned or not um, this is kind of the journey you took. So how has it been challenging and how, what are some of the things that you not only have shaped you as an author, but like as a human, like growing into your career? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many things. I think 
like I think we've already kind of touched a little bit on it of just like that like self-doubt you know like the imposter syndrome I feel like people who aren't creatives probably hear that and or who aren't like professional creatives at least I think they hear that and they're like well I'm so sick of hearing about imposter syndrome but it's just such a real Mm -hmm. feeling and like we all talk about it because it's so debilitating and the difference between someone who wants to write a book and someone who actually writes a book is huge Mm -hmm. even if it's not published I think anyone who's like has gone to the lengths of like putting that much effort into their work is like that's already such a tremendous feat because I think so many people want to do that or Mm -hmm. think they can but they never actually do it and Mm -hmm. it's like well do it let's see let's see what you got you know like I think that's such a huge like kind of barrier for so many people and myself included and I think that so I think there's like two ends to this there's like the imposter syndrome of like I don't feel like I can do this I don't feel like I'm the one I don't feel like I'm capable or have like the experience needed I don't feel like I have all the tools that I need to be in this world to navigate this space to create this thing mm-hmm. and then I think after having published and now being on this trajectory of being a writer I think that the struggles that I have are about kind of like longevity and sustainability and security Mm -hmm. and like what like is this something I can keep doing Mm -hmm. and because once you make something it's like I always thought like when I was growing up I was like I'm gonna like it would be great if I could just write one book and like even if it doesn't get published I just want to like finish one book yeah I I always thought that one in like in middle school and stuff in high school um and then now that I have multiple books I'm like can I write another book? Like, do I, what do I have in me? Like, do I have anything else? Like, mm-hmm. what have I got? Like, can I keep going? And then there's also, like, I think the very, very real piece of creative life that is, like, the financial aspect and, like, the security aspect of, like, mm-hmm. yeah, you can always be, like, you can have a well of, of like, um, creativity and you can constantly be making things, but is the industry going to acknowledge that? Is Is this industry is this world going to give me the tools that I need to sustain a creative life to like continue to create because the like the fact is that like it's not it's not always um lucrative or sustainable financially to create Mm -hmm. and especially like publishing does not pay that well unless you know the outliers if you know their names like authors like if they're recognized authors like they're not the ones I'm talking about I'm talking about like people whose names you don't recognize Mm -hmm. you know I'm talking about the everyday author the everyday you know like the everyday creative yeah who's just trying to like figure out like is can I continue to create like what like do I have what it takes to continue to create and what like what does that look like like Mm -hmm. when I think about um I think I kind of really came across like to a head with this um when I finished my first book series so the contract was over I didn't have anything else and I also didn't have any ideas so I was just really paralyzed with this idea of like well do I just keep leaning into this career I don't have any I don't have a contract I don't have any ideas mm-hmm. what does it look like for me to continue being creative and and if I create another idea and I finish that then now I'm at the part currently where I'm like well okay so I made one more book what is next do i do i have it in me to create another book and not only do i have it in me but is the industry going to um not reward me but is the industry going to allow me 
to create more books? Like, are they going to pay me to make more art, to make more books? Yeah. Are they going to acknowledge, like, will I get enough attention to continue to uh, sustain me? Like, will I be relevant? Will, or will nobody want a book from me ever again? You know, so I think there's all this, these like bigger questions of the industry, like the, mm-hmm. the industry that allows you to be a creative or that you're part of when you have to become creative. Because I think there is like that balance of like, you can always be creating. Everyone is always creating, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. But what does it mean to be like, it, like live a creative life in like a, pro- a professional way, like a that, you know, the hustle, yeah. the creative hustle. And I think that is a very real question that I have no answers to. And I don't <laughs> know if there are real answers. Um, I don't know. I, I think everyone has to figure out with, the like their own like individual resources and like you know tools like what it takes what it's going to take for them to keep creating or what what they can actually like feasibly do because it is hard it's really hard to be uncertain to have no control over that aspect of it you can control what you create but you can't control how it's received or whether or not it has like pays back what you put into it and sometimes it won't and can you weather that yeah with that so like with that uncertainty i and i think you're like you're going through that right now yeah that that line like you know just questioning i mean do you foresee your your career going a different direction after this oh i don't know yeah like i tend not to think too far in advance i'm yeah. i've realized it's better that way i've realized after talking to a lot of people i'm not really like a long-term planner i always joke that i only thought about life up until i was like 21 because i was like okay well i'm gonna graduate college i'm gonna like move to new york and get a job in publishing and then that's it whatever else happens that's all i need and then once i got there i was like oh oh shoot like i'm working in this industry and i'm not i, I don't even know how to conceive of what my life will like look like mm-hmm. in the future and especially now with it's such an uncertain career I'm like there is no stability here there is no stability in creative like living a creative life life you have to find ways to find stability while creating Mm -hmm. um and what that looks like differs for everybody but I think that like yeah I don't know I honestly I think I'm just kind of riding it until it kicks me off like I'm just kind of going until I can't anymore until someone tells me they don't want anything from me anymore and until then I think my like job or my goal is just to find ways to um keep like to get me to a place where I can sustain like where I can like so right now I have a side I have a side hustle dog sitting cat sitting and then I also have another cat sitter by the way find her on rover (laughs) a lot of clients you know like I have my rotation no I have so I have that I like I do commission art sometimes I also of like sometimes freelance and then I have like a part I just recently got like a somewhat part-time ish job mm-hmm. so I think like for me though like finding those things or trying to do those things is an attempt to make space in financially make yeah. spa- space and security so that I can continue to do this thing whether the publishing industry decides like they don't want it, they're done with me like that I can't control but I yeah. think all I can do is like give myself time and like give myself like yeah a little bit of 
um, wiggle room, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. It's hard though because then you're when you do those things, you're also giving up a lot of your like mental space. You're giving up a lot of your time mm-hmm. um, that could be used for creating. So I think that like always finding that balance. Like there's been times when I've been a full time author and um, then really like worried a lot about finances. Mm-hmm. And then there's been times that now I don't have as much of a worry in finances, but I have such a like strain on my time and mm-hmm. where where I'm using my time and whether or not I have enough time to create. And so I think I haven't figured out which balance I prefer. I think it's just always like toggling back and forth between what I'm able to handle and what is going to like give me the most um, like freedom and space to still create. Yeah. I don't know what that looks like, to be honest. It's, it's it feels like ever changing. So it's really cool and dynamic in that way, but also like horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but just given like the way your career has unfolded up until now it's it's just been you being open to say yes to those opportunities and riding the wave so i'm sure something more will come out of this and if not like where you land will be the right place for you too Mm -hmm. so uh, last question before we wrap it up but you know you talk a lot about you know sometimes you're a full-time author but then you're you know thinking about your finances and that stability factor but then like you know when you're not being full-time author and kind of where you are right now in your life and you're juggling a few different things, but then you're strained for time. Like where do you find your center? Like where do you find that motivation and just like keep going? Because I can imagine like when, when things get stressful and tiring like that, like that's your mental space, that's your emotional, that's your free time. Yeah. You know, um, how do you stay motivated and how do you like get yourself to be a place where this is what I want to be doing, even though it is taking up my time right now? Mm, that is a good question it's hard to say because I feel like I'm just like like riding the wave until until I drown I don't know riding the wave until I'm like kicked out like I think I'm like I it's hard to like identify like a motivating factor Mm because I'm not the type of person who thinks like I have a story that's so important everyone needs to hear this I like I am a like a voice of a generation. I really don't think that I mm. just like have a story that I'm like, oh, this is, I'm kind of excited to do this. I kind of want to yeah. draw this thing. I kind of want to do this thing. And I think that I kind of feel like it's for me. It's really easy to get wrapped up in like the business of it and being like, well, how can I sustain? How can I be a published a published author for the rest of my life? Like, can I do that? Like, I think you can kind of I can go kind of nuts just allowing myself to swirl into that, Mm -hmm. like spiral into that like black hole. And I think that for me, what I've realized is like the place where I really find peace weirdly is in those planners that like I started Mm. this whole thing with, because for one, it's like, it kind of, I don't know. It's interesting because with those planners, there's really no way to monetize it because it is literally just me being like, today I ate a sandwich or like, you know, here I went to go see (laughs) the, like a movie here I watched this, like binge watch this show. And it's really not something that can be monetized. Like I can't sell any of the art that I make for it, but I keep making it because for some reason, like it's just, I don't want to not. Like yeah. I, it's hard to describe why. Because when I was um, really, and I'm right now I'm really behind on my planner because like I haven't had time to ink it because I've just been working on my book. So then mm-hmm. I got really behind. And or even when I, whenever I'm working on a book, people are like, well, you don't have to make that planner anymore. You don't have to like spend your time on that because like, like it's not in the service of my book. It's not in yeah. the service of my career. 
but there's a part of me that just can't let that go because for me it's almost like a freedom of being like I'm just doing this because I want to yeah and I'm just yeah. doing this because like I want to keep this record I want to draw this thing I'm ex- like it's fun to mm-hmm. kind of figure out what fits in this page it's fun to try and um get the things that I'm doing in my life and put them on paper despite not having any like actual like purpose like there is no reason to keep these planners like like there's no like you know like professional reason other than for myself like it's really just for myself and because I feel like I want to and I guess like I don't know if that really fully answers the question but like the motivation is just like a desire to make the thing or to do the thing and I think just leaning into that and kind of focusing on that rather than focusing on all the other ways that like can it be monetized can it be like uh is this it doesn't have purpose can it be shared all of these things I think it's great to if you want to share art I enjoy sharing my art sometimes but not always and I think sometimes I get wrapped up in this pressure of like well now that I've drawn my planner or do I have to share it with someone or do I have to like if I draw this picture do I need to like document it do I need to uh, sell it do I need to like what do, like what is the point of making this thing and mm-hmm. rather than thinking about the point of it or the um like what the thing can get me or what it can do for others or whatever I think just like being like I'm just feeling like I feel like I want to just make this thing I just want to do this thing and just being like okay so I'm gonna I'm just gonna lean in that direction and kind of forget the rest and I think that that I don't know if that's really a motivating Mm -hmm. thing but there's just something in me that's like yeah I'm feeling this I want to do this I love that you said that though because I think in our society today our time is so valuable that we always go to like, okay, like if I do this, what's it going to do? Like, what's the outcome of this? What we are thinking of everything just like by the results and what it means for our life instead of purely just being like, I'm going to doodle on my planner because it feels good to me and I just want to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even think of the last time I just did something because I just wanted to do it with mm-hmm. no other like outcome or goal in mind, mm-hmm. purely just because I enjoy it. And I want to take 20 minutes to like do that thing. Yeah. And we need to be doing more of that. I think those are like what you're like, not to be cheesy and bring it back to the the, the podcast name, <laughs> but that fills your soul. Mm. Those are the things that we need to be doing more in our lives because that's what fills us up to be able to go out and produce and do the things that have these outcomes that we need to do in our day to day. But what's important is that you, you found that for you. It's like your doodles and like being in your journal and like, Ultimately, that leads to you being more creative so that you can bring that into your books and your writing. Um, and I think just in general, we need to do that for ourselves. Like, what is that? What is doodling for us? In our, you know, if, do, if it's doing for you, what is it for me? What is it for anyone listening? Yeah. And do more of that purely because you want to. And I think you'd be surprised to see how you show up to the other areas of your life when you're taking care of that first. So I'm really glad that you said that because I think it's important to just be reminded that it's okay to do things because for the sole reason of you want to do it. Yeah. And I mean, it's wild because when I think about it, like those planners are hundred percent the reason why I am even in the place I am now. Mm -hmm. And I like started them not even like literally just writing to-do lists and drawing weird stick figures in the margins. And like, that was it. And like, it just, I didn't even expect, and I think that's, it actually gave me this freedom to create because I think keeping a sketchbook felt like so much pressure, like, you know, to cre- like find something that's worth sketching and to then draw it properly. And then you have a collection of all the things you've drawn professionally. Like mm-hmm. it felt so much pressure. And with these planners, it was like, I can draw if I want. If I don't need to draw if I want. Yeah. It, like I can just do whatever I want. 
Yeah. Um, and no one's going to ever see this. Like, that's what I thought when I started them. And then now, look, everyone's, like, seen them all. Yeah. You know, but I I feel like I like that taking that pressure off and just being like, I want to do this thing. I feel like I'm just like, yeah, I just want to do it. Yeah. So let's do it. <laughs> I love that. Uh, thank you so much, Bookie. We'll wrap it up here, but it's always lovely to catch up with you. Yeah. Before we go, where can everybody find you so they can come peep your planners? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. Um, so I just updated my website, <laughs> uh, www.bookiemevot.com. And, um, also I probably mostly use Instagram and my handle is just bookie, bookie, bookie. Oh, it's book. I book, I book, I. Before we go, tell everyone about your name though. Cause it's just so funny that like, I mean, I've known you for a long time now, know the story, but it's like your name, your, your name is Bookie. You go by Bookie. No, what are the odds? Um, and you're not there. <laughs> what are the odds? Honestly, I have gotten that so many times. And do you think when it was, I was like branded upon you? <laughs> it well, was meant to be. I kind of feel like, like, did I choose this for myself? Or was the universe just literally like, you're going to do this? Like, this is your life? Like, I don't know. Because I really, it really didn't match up when I was a a biochem chem major <laughs> my freshman year in college but as soon as I switched to that writing major I was, I was like Ooh, let's go bookies yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know I mean I got my name before I was like um even like able to hold a book before I was able to read it was meant to be. Uh, so maybe it was meant to be. It was meant to be. Well, well, cheers to that with my weird tequila drink. <laughs> Our water. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Bucky. Thanks for having me. And that does it for this week's episode of The Soul Fill. Be sure to tune in. And if you aren't already following the podcast, hit that follow button on Spotify and on Apple. And we will catch you next week.